Hello, everyone, and welcome to another segment of Teaching General Conference. My name is Jared Goodat, and I'm going to be exploring for just a few minutes today the talk given in the October 2023 General Conference by Elder Robert M. Dames titled, Sir, We Would Like to See Jesus. Just a little bit about myself before we begin. I was born and raised in the Seattle, Washington area. I converted to the church when I was 17, the summer before my senior year in high school. I then attended Ricks College after graduating high school, served a mission in Mexico, went back to Ricks College, and then transferred to the University of Washington in Seattle, my hometown. It was there that I met my wife, and we had both attended Ricks and wanted to raise our family in Rexburg while finishing school. And so we moved back and uh, finished up at BYU-Idaho and uh, have been living here ever since. We've been in Rexburg for 22 years. I'm currently serving as a Sunday school teacher for the young single adults and new and returning members of the church. So that's been a lot of fun to uh, think about and cater to their unique and individual needs while teaching. So uh, this particular talk, let me share my screen. When I heard this talk in a general conference, I was just uh, immediately impressed and excited at the possibilities of what this talk offers. So this idea of, sir, we would like to see Jesus, of course, Elder Danes is quoting from a scripture in John chapter 12, which we'll get to in a minute. And uh, I just thought this was a powerful example of how everything we do in the church ought to be about and point us to Jesus Christ. So we're gonna to listen to a quick segment of this talk, and then we're gonna get into some different uh, elements of the talk and uh, opportunities and examples of how to potentially teach this talk if given the opportunity in your own ward. So here we go, let's listen in. There's a short verse in John that I love. It tells of a group of outsiders who make their way to a disciple with an important request. Sir, they say, we would like to see Jesus. That is what we all want. We want to see Jesus for who he is and to feel his love. This should be the reason for most of what we do in the church and certainly of every sacrament meeting. If you're ever wondering what kind of lesson to teach, what kind of meeting to plan, and whether to just give up on the deacons and play dodgeball, you might take this verse as your guide. Will this help people see and love Jesus Christ? If not, maybe try something else. All right. Very, very powerful uh, couple of paragraphs from his talk. I just love this idea that uh, everything we do ought to be pointing people towards Jesus Christ. Uh, and the little anecdote about giving up on the deacons and just playing dodgeball. I love it. Uh, more true than, than many of us probably realize. So let's let's dive into this. Um, I think it's important to highlight first that when reviewing a general conference talk, it's really helpful to pull up the footnotes. Many of the speakers in general conference have extensive and detailed footnotes, and Elder Danes is no exception to that. If you just scroll down and look at these, not only does he provide links or scriptures, but he also provides additional commentary uh, on, on the points that he's making in his talk. And so don't, don't ever uh, shortchange or overlook the, the, um, 
the related content or the footnotes that might be in any given talk. Now, the verse that we just listened to, or the couple of paragraphs that we just listened to, had to do with this verse in John chapter 12, verse 21. If I click on it, it says, The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida, of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Now, the title of his talk and how he actually quotes it is, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. And I think what Elder Danes is doing here is actually potentially referencing another translation of the New Testament, which is totally okay. Uh, we've even seen members of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles cite different uh, translations of uh, verses in the Bible. One thing that I often do when I'm preparing to teach is I like to go to various websites that have different translations of the Bible to see if I can get a different perspective on what the author might have been um, teaching. So I like to go to um, the Bible Gateway, and this is a good example of where you can see a variety of translations of this verse. Now, we know that the King James Version is the official version that church uses. However, there's nothing that says you can't go look at other translations to get additional insights. For example, this translation, sir, we want to see Jesus. Or uh, this translation, sir, we would like to meet Jesus. Or even this one, please, sir, we want to meet Jesus. This is a good way to actually just look at the scripture from a variety of viewpoints. And I think that's what Elder Danes did uh, with the title of the talk and how he actually quoted the talk. In fact, if we go to that a specific um, set of paragraphs, we can see here that he inserted the like to. So it's important, I think, to make sure that we understand the translation and potentially get different translations to understand uh, what the biblical authors might have been trying to teach us. The other thing that I want to highlight here with any teaching that you do, whether it's in a conference talk or whether it's from the Come Follow Me manual or what have you, it's really important to always be in the Teaching in the Savior's Way manual. They just recently updated the manual a year or two ago that includes a couple of additional principles, one of which is this concept, teach about Jesus Christ no matter what you are teaching. Let's read a paragraph from here. There are many things to teach about in the restored gospel of Jesus Christ principles, commandments, prophecies, and scripture stories, but all of these are branches of the same tree, for they all have one purpose, to help all people come unto Christ and be perfected in him. So no matter what you are teaching, remember that you are teaching about Jesus Christ and how to become like him. There's a couple of other little segments in here that I really like as well. See every gospel topic as an opportunity to teach and learn about Jesus Christ. Uh, and then one more, don't just focus on the laws of the gospel. Learn also about the law giver. For example, if you discuss the word of wisdom and stop at the do's and don'ts of healthy living, you miss the opportunity to ponder how deeply Jesus Christ must care about us both our spiritual and physical well-being, to give us this law. So anyway, Elder Danes and his talk, I think, is inviting us to make sure that everything we're teaching about points us back to Jesus Christ, regardless of the principle that you might be focusing on in any given lesson. So this is a great tip. Anything that you're going to teach, make sure that you're emphasizing Jesus Christ 
which is the author of everything related to the gospel. All right, coming back to uh, uh, Elder Danes's talk, something else that this brings to mind is an MTC um, talk that Elder Holland gave years ago. And I'd like to just highlight one little anecdote from that. Um, he says here, he gives us a little anecdote uh, about working with different uh, missionaries and asking them what we desire potential converts to do. It says, in zone conferences, I have asked missionaries what it is they want investigators to do as a result of their discussions with them. Now, this talk was given uh, back in 2001, but it's still relevant today, even though he's talking about discussions, the old discussions prior to Preach My Gospel. Uh, one missionary shouts out, be baptized. Another, yes, it, uh, or he says, yes, I say, but what has to precede that? Now they are a little leery. Aha, they think. This is a test. It's a test of the first discussion. Read the Book of Mormon, someone shouts. Pray, an elder roars. Attend church, one of the sisters declares. Receive all of the discussions someone else offers. Well, you have pretty much covered the commitments in the first discussion, I say. But what else do you want your investigators to do? Be baptized, the chorus comes a second time. Elders and sisters, I plead, you have already told me about baptism, and I am still asking. Well, now they are stumped. It must be commitments from the other discussions, they think. Live the word of wisdom, someone says. Pay tithing, another shouts. And so it goes. I have to say that almost never do the missionaries get around to identifying the two most fundamental things we want investigators to do prior to baptism. Have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of their sins. Yet we believe that the first principles and ordinances of the gospel are, first, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, second, repentance, then, third, baptism by immersion for the remission of sins, and fourth, the laying on of hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost. A convert's new life is to be built upon faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his redeeming sacrifice. So, as it relates again to, sir, we would like to see Jesus, just important that even in our missionary efforts, we need to start with faith in Jesus Christ, and the foundation needs to be Jesus Christ, regardless of the other principles of the gospel or commitments that we would like members and future potential members uh, to make. Okay, moving on here. Um, in, in his talk, and I'm looking here a little bit at my, uh, at my footnotes, right above this, he quotes President Nelson. This is very common uh, for speakers in general conference to quote other speakers from general conference. And this one in particular, I think, is uh, noteworthy. President M. Russell, uh, Russell M. Nelson reminds us the answer is always Jesus. So footnote six here, if we go up and look at footnote six, it says, see Russell M. Nelson, the answer is always Jesus. Interestingly enough, this particular footnote uh, links back to the same talk. So I think that's just, um, uh, just uh, a missed hyperlink that the church needs to fix. But I did bring up the talk here, and this is a really important, um, my page is refreshing here. This is really important where it says, dear brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ extends that same invitation to you today. I plead with you to come unto him so that he can heal you. He talks about whatever questions or problems you have, the answer is always found in the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. 
Uh, just today, for example, I was talking to a friend who was frustrated by the fact that we always need to be sensitive and mindful of our audience or congregation when we're selecting speakers and selecting topics. And I said, well, let's just go back to the example of the Savior. How did the Savior approach this? And we talked about how the Savior called a tax collector to be an apostle. The Savior revealed himself as the Messiah to the woman at the well who was a Samaritan to then uh, preach that uh, the Messiah has come. He uh, emphasizes the example of the Good Samaritan in that parable, which added so much more uh, power to it to know that a Samaritan was the one that extended help. And so even the Savior's example teaches us about the diversity that he was trying to include uh, as he was uh, teaching the gospel. So uh, again, just an example of always, the, the Savior is always the example about everything uh, as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and our lives. Uh, again, pay attention to the footnotes. There's so many good things in here. And let me fast forward to um, footnote 24. So if I scroll down and go all the way to footnote 24, it talks here about prophets invite us to seek his face. I take this as a reminder that we worship our Father, not a formula and that we're not finished until we see Jesus as the face of our Father's love. He's kind of referencing back to this idea of face blindness at the beginning of the talk. He then says, and follow him, not just his rules. Well, footnote 24 is interesting. It says, this is an important theme. It's not just the work of salvation and exaltation, but his work of salvation and exaltation. And lo and behold, when you go to the general handbook of instruction and look up that uh, that particular reference, sure enough, it says his work of salvation and exaltation, or God's work of salvation and exaltation, which is really important. This is his work. And that footnote was the one that reminded me of that. Instead of just saying the work of salvation and exaltation, which is living the gospel of Jesus Christ, caring for those in need, um, inviting all to receive the gospel and uniting families for eternity. That is God's work, not just the work. Again, pointing us back to Jesus Christ. I want to point out one other uh, part of Elder Dane's talk. And this is under the we may be face blind uh, section as well. So if I scroll back up here. right here. It says, perhaps you have felt the iron rod in your hand, but not yet felt your Savior's love to which it leads. I, I just thought this was a great reference going back to the tree of life vision that Lehi had and Nephi subsequently had and got more insight on. Because up here, the context is you may struggle to see God, as a loving father, you may look heavenward and see not the face of love and mercy, but a thicket of rules through which you must wind your way. And this idea of you may you may have felt the iron rod in your hand, but you, you don't feel the Savior's love to which the rod leads. And so if we go to that footnote, footnote four, it says, see First Nephi, uh, chapter eight, verse 19 and 15, 23. It is hard to keep the Lord's commandments without faith and trust in him. He's referencing a talk by uh, President Eyring. Well, I, let's let's go to uh, just consider for a moment this idea that 
in First Nephi uh, chapter 8. In fact, let's just actually go there. So we're now in First Nephi chapter 8. And I want to specifically reference verse 24 and verse 30. And it came to pass that I beheld others pressing forward. And they came forth and caught hold of the end of the rod of iron. And they did press forward through the mists of darkness, clinging to the rod of iron, even until they did come forth and partake of the fruit of the tree. Now, we know that this particular group of people eventually fell away, wandered into strange roads or went to the great and spacious building. And Elder Bednar talks about there is a huge difference between clinging to the rod of iron and, in verse 30, caught hold of the end of the rod of iron, and they depressed their way forward, continually holding fast to the rod of iron. And so this could be an opportunity in the context of Elder Dane's talk to maybe explore the, the compare and contrast, the differences between the people that were clinging versus the people that were holding fast. And what did the people that were holding fast know about the love of God that maybe the people clinging to the rod didn't know? And uh, you can see that play out in this, where they fell down and partook of the fruit of the tree. I heard one teacher talk about this concept of falling down. Was this kneeling down? Was this sitting down? Regardless of what it may have physically looked like, it's clear that this group of people knew they were planning on staying by the tree for a while. They were planning on partaking of the love of God for a while. And something in their journey along that rod of iron was helping to prepare them for that opportunity, as opposed to perhaps uh, 24, where they weren't quite as prepared. So this could be a good compare and contrast, again, from Elder, Elder Dane's talk. And, uh, and his footnote. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to cover or, or look at in the Sir, We Would Like to See Jesus, I'll bring those footnotes back up just in case we go there, is uh, a concept um, called uh, the church being a, a work party. This is towards the very end of his talk, the river of God's love. So if I scroll down here, right here, the river of God's love. It says here at the end, let us seek his loving face, his covenant embrace, and then join in the arm in arm with his children. Together we will sing Redeemer of Israel. And he quotes that there. And I just think that's beautiful. Anytime uh, they they um, bring in uh, the hymns into a talk and then it's converted back into its original poetry. I just think it's it's beautiful. But if if we look uh, here, right above that, it says this church is a work party of people with picks and shovels trying to help clear the channel for the river of God's love to reach his children at the end of the row. Now, this might be just a, a, a silly little thing that that you may or may not want to do, but it doesn't hurt, for example, to go to uh, YouTube or just to just to highlight, I just picked a random YouTube video where it shows a guy irrigating various rows here. And so he's just trying to emphasize, I, I have it on mute right now, but just visualizing what it means to get the water to the end of the row and what it means for members to be those people trying to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to various rows of people or people at the end of 
each row. This this uh, idiom or this idea of getting the water to the end of the row is a concept that may not be familiar to a lot. So it might be fun, for example, just to share something like that. Last but not least, I just wanted to highlight uh, Jesus Christ in the Book of Mormon. So Elder Danes is emphasizing helping people see Jesus. What a great opportunity for uh, a member, for, for a bishopric or for uh, a ward council or any council in the, in the local church to talk about what do we need to emphasize that helps people turn towards and see Jesus in their own lives. Well, interestingly, in a article in the January 2024 Leopona, uh, it's uh, John Hilton III and Madison Sinclair talk about how often Jesus Christ is mentioned in the Book of Mormon. And Again, their footnote, they cite a study that was done in July of 1978. How many years ago is that? Decades ago. By Susan Ward Easton, where she talks about the names of Christ in the Book of Mormon. And so you can see here, she even breaks it down into how many different times he's mentioned in each of the books in the Book of Mormon, and how many different names are mentioned of Jesus Christ and where their references are. And so she concludes that um, the Lord Jesus Christ is mentioned by name in at least uh, every 1.7 verses of the Book of Mormon. Now, if we go back to John Hilton III and, and uh, Madison Sinclair's article, they say that the, her, her study was amazing, but that was just names of Jesus. But if we also look at every time he's mentioned by pronoun, him or he, uh, it actually grows even more than 1.7 verses. And so if we scroll down here and look, it says that she, in that previous article from decades ago, um, saw a title of Jesus 3,925 times in about 6,000 verses of Scripture in the Book of Mormon for 1.7 uh, verses, every 1.7 verses, Jesus Christ being named. This is a valuable study, highlights the centrality of the Savior in the Book of Mormon. However, it significantly undercounts the frequency with which Christ is mentioned by excluding pronouns that refer to him. Ultimately, the number of references to Jesus Christ is not the most important detail to learn from the Book of Mormon. However, each reference to him can teach us about his divine nature and mission. We carefully examine the Book of Mormon, looking for all mentions of Jesus Christ, including titles and pronouns. We identified 7,452 total references, an average of more than one reference per verse. So uh, this is just another example of the Book of Mormon and Scripture pointing us to Jesus all the time, every time, in an effort to help us see him and come to know him better. So uh, in the end, I just uh, I just love this talk. I thought it was a great opportunity to just get us laser focused on the reason for the gospel, which is Jesus Christ, his atonement in our lives, and how we can feel his love and eventually come back to both him and our Heavenly Father. I hope that helps in your teaching. All the best.